Amen. All right, if you have your Bible, let's uh, turn to Acts chapter 2, and uh, there's a section in your bulletin where you can take notes. They will come up on the screen this week for you, and we're going to just do a brief, brief review of what I did a couple of weeks ago as we started into this topic of understanding how, how God speaks to us. Um, you know as well as I do that the rise and the fall of any relationship comes as a result of a, of a communication problem, or you communicate well, and there's relationship that goes deeper and becomes more authentic. And so communication is very, very important in all the relationships we have, whether it's with our spouse, our children, our grandchildren, uh, co-workers, friends, neighbors, whoever that might be. And so uh, the ability to communicate clearly and effectively is so so important. Well, the same thing is true with our relationship with Christ, and that the rise and the fall of that relationship really hinges on our ability to communicate, because oftentimes we come to Jesus with this ready-made agenda, right? We pray that way sometimes. We just come with our long list of prayer requests, and we kind of drop them in God's lap, and in Jesus' name, take care of those, and I'll get back in touch to see how you're doing a little later on in the, in the day. And so we just kind of check off items on our list as if God were not an actual person, but he was a, our personal genie or our personal bellhop. Well, when it comes to relationships, um, we learn to value the input that others have in our lives. Do you not? So there are many times I have come to an impasse in my life. Maybe it's a decision that needs to be made, and I will communicate you know, what God's laid on my heart and what I see and, and these things, and my wife will speak into my life concerning those things. And for sometimes it's a friend that you share it with, and they speak into your life, and you learn to value that person's opinion and their input. And as the relationship grows between the two of you, so does the hunger for that relationship. And so in our relationship with the Lord, um, God wants to have this deep, intimate relationship with us. And when we establish that kind of relationship through communication, that we, which means I speak and uh, God speaks and God listens to me and I listen to him. And as God begins to download things from heaven into my life and I experience God through those revelations uh, that God gives to me, then all of a sudden there's not only a deepening of a hunger in that relationship, but um, I, I just, you know, it's just like you just want to go more and more in walking with that person and just listening to them and, and just, you know, drawing from their wisdom and their knowledge. And so this is true in our walk with God, is it not? That when you, you know, you first begin your walk with God, you're really not sure even how to communicate with God, let alone listen to Him. And so, as I said from the outside, this is the this is a learned process that somebody teaches you how to listen to God, and that's the purpose for this whole series. Is that I want you to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit, who's the only person of the Trinity who's operational here on planet Earth. So you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He has he he has indwelt your body. You're the temple. He's the temple. He's the one Jesus said will be your comforter, your guide, your teacher, everything that you need. Is going to come through this relationship of Holy Spirit as he relates you to Jesus and God your Father. And so at, the more you experience the Holy Spirit's activity in your life, man, the deeper the hunger you have going after him and, and wanting to learn how to listen to him, the voice of your Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. And uh, my wife and I, this past Friday night, we were, um, we were at a memorial service for a very close friend of ours, uh, Bill and Sandy Griffin, who have been in our church many times, uh, are, has the Christian Counseling Center in Pickerington, and the two of them have been great mentors for Marla and I. And I, I encourage you all the time, hey, find somebody where you want to be and find out how they got there, and let them kind of mentor you into that relationship that you have with God, right, that you want to be where they are. Well, that was the couple for us, and they have poured into our lives over the last uh, several years. Well, uh, Sandy uh, passed away about a week ago from uh, liver cancer, and her memorial service was on Friday night. And uh, one of the things that they did was they played a tape, a video of her giving her testimony. Uh, Sandy grew up in a Jewish home. She 
she, um, one of the things she revealed in her testimony is that when you grow up in a Jewish home, so whether you were Jewish in the Old Testament or even in modern day, you only know God as creator. You do not know God as father. You only know him as creator. And so that's all she knew about God was he is creator. And about age seven, uh, God just like spoke to her heart and, and just calling her into a deeper walk with him and a deeper revelation. And so she desired that. Uh, therefore, she shared this with her parents, and she began at a very young age, uh, which is unusual, in rabbinical school. So you go to school during the week, three nights a week, you're going into rabbinical school, and she took that journey for several years, hoping that there would be this opening up of God, not just as creator, but something more than that. But it didn't happen. And she said over the years, her heart just grew darker and more distant. And by the time she reached the, the age of 18, there was just like, this is it, you know, I'm done. And uh, fast forwarding through her, her testimony, she, she was married to Bill, and they were in New York City and had gone to a concert, and they were touring, going through a, a, a cathedral there in New York City. And um, she said, uh, all of a sudden, Somebody said, hey, we're going to have a service in the chapel. And so Bill said, let's go. Well, she didn't want to go. There was about 20 people. And lo and behold, they were going to serve communion. All right, she's a Jew. <laughs> she does not know Jesus as Messiah. And in that context, she said, you know, I, I, I just like, I, I've got to divert my mind from what's going on. And so the God, watch this, God, her creator, led her to read John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, all of a sudden, God used that Scripture through the Holy Spirit to bring her to her Messiah, Jesus Christ, and that forever transformed her life. Because for the first time, who is it that brought God from Creator to God the Father? Is Jesus, when He came into the world and introduced God as not just Creator, but as a, an intimate Father who loves us and cares for us. And so Messiah Jesus brought her to God the Father, and it opened up a whole new world in her life. And so God speaks and, and he speaks because he wants relationship and because relationship is so important. And the more intimate your relationship with God becomes, the more clearly you begin to hear him speak. And so God, as we said, will always honor the level of your relationship that you're willing to give him. He's not going to force it upon you. But when your faith is elevated because of your own personal history with God, uh, that is, watch this, that faith is forged in the secret place of life, right? It's not forged necessarily in community. It's forged in the secret place of life where nobody else is with you. Nobody else is watching you. It's just you forging that faith and that trust and that intimacy with your heavenly Father who calls from his Holy Spirit for you to take steps of faith and steps of action. And when you do that and God shows up on the scene, now all of a sudden there's a hunger for that relationship and there's a need for that that relationship and a desire for that relationship, and now you're living first-hand faith rather than second-hand faith just by reading stories in the Bible about others who trusted God, and God came through in miraculous ways, but you're sitting here thinking, but it's never happened for me. It can. And God births that out of relationship because he doesn't want you living a secondary relationship with the Father who created you. Now, I know this, that 90% of the way that you communicate really has nothing to do with the words that you say, right? Me just being around you, I can learn about your life. I can learn about things about you by the things that you don't say. Those of you who have been married for any length of time, you know that your wife can give you a look, and it says it all, right? She doesn't have to say a word to you. She gave you the look. You know exactly what she's communicating, right? Didn't say a word. Well, the same thing is true relationally. We, we get in trouble, for example, when we first learned how to text. You remember when texting first came out? And so now it's no longer face-to-face -face communication, but I'm communicating with you by texting. And the problem with texting was that we would read into the text, like, oh my gosh, 
They're mad at me. Oh my gosh, she's really, man, that was a sarcastic remark. And so we, we learned very quickly that people were misreading our text because they were reading into it what we never really intended. So we had to come up with things called like uh, laugh out loud, you know, LOL, laugh out loud, or oh, ha ha, I didn't really mean that. Uh, and if that weren't but good enough, we, we come out with emojis. Now you just send an emoji and it just kind of expresses your, you know, your, your emotion or whatever it is trying to say. I, I believe emojis save my marriage. I really do. So, you know, like when you do something stupid and, and then you, you, know, you're not, you send my wife a text and put the emojis, you know, you know a face with you know, heart eyes, and it's like, I love you, babe, love you, babe. So I knew that could buy me about half an hour, okay? So, but, and so, so we, we, we communicate through a lot of different ways. And I'm just trying to get you to understand that God also communicates through a variety of different ways, as we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago. And so here's the statement I made is that the Lord can speak any way that he wants, but there are some very distinct patterns by how God speaks to us. And I gave you 10 of them, and uh, the last message, and I'm just going to throw them up on the screen just so you can write them down if you want them, uh, and we're going, to, but we're going to move on to another section. And that, again, this is not an exhaustive list. Excuse me. Sometimes God speaks through um, impressions of the Holy Spirit. This is what I call heavenly downloads, that you, you know the Spirit just impresses upon your heart, and you say, well, how do I know if that's the Holy Spirit speaking, or me, or God, or uh, you know, Satan, or whatever? Uh, I can assure you that if you get an impression that God wants you to pray for somebody, that's not Satan telling you that, all right? <laughs> right? Or if God put an impression on my heart, hey, that person's really hurting, how about just going over and offering to pray for them? Satan's not going to give me a word like that. He don't want me praying for anybody because he understands there is power when a, a, a righteous man or woman prays, it avails much, right? There is great power that is released. So, so impressions. We're going to talk in a couple of weeks about how to test an impression. Number two is the Word of God, all right? If you live with a closed Bible, you are going to live with God's mouth shut, Right, so there's the Word of God, Lagos, through which God speaks to us. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and just like lifts it off the page, speaks to us. There's also the Rima, or the message of God, based on the Word of God, where it's a very specific message to a very specific need or, or what God wants you to do in your life. But God will never, ever, ever tell you to do anything that contradicts the Word of God. Right, so you don't even have to pray about those kinds of things. Well, Lord, should I, you know, da-da-da-da, and, and that's in direct contradiction of God's word. You don't have to pray that prayer because God's going to say, nope, eh, mm, nope. All right, gifted teachers, number three. Uh, how do you know you have a gifted teacher? Well, uh, it's like somebody read your mail, right? So that, how many times do women, men come to me and say, hey, Obviously, you've been speaking to my wife, right? So she, you just knew some things about me that, uh, you know, God just spoke to, to me through you today. But, man, you, there's no way you could have known those things. Uh, my wife's been talking to you, haven't No, your wife hasn't been talking to me. Holy Spirit's been talking to me. He's just speaking through me to you. And so and every message I give, and it goes out to every person in this auditorium, not everyone's going to receive that message in the same way because Holy Spirit's going to translate it into what you need at that moment and that time in your life. Amen? Amen? Awareness of his presence. Sometimes we just have this sense and awareness of God's presence in our lives in which God is speaking. Sometimes he speaks through other people. And so there's the two things I use, the word of knowledge and the, and the gift of prophecy. Word of knowledge is that God just kind of downloads into somebody. It may, might be about somebody you don't even know. He gives you information about them, and you share that information. And they're like, this might be a total stranger. How'd you know that? Like, why? Because God's trying to build and elevate their faith because God's about to give a word of prophecy that what he wants to do in their life. And it might be, uh, you know, that, that God's building their faith to receive that word that you're going to give them. So this is what we did in our, in our uh, men's retreat. We, 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 I said, guys, I want you also to ask God to give you a word of prophecy for, for each other. So on Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, uh, we had a short teaching, celebrated Lord's Supper, and I had them make a tunnel. 
And we had every man come through that tunnel, and I asked God, every person, to lay hands on them and speak a word of prophecy over them. Whatever God just laid on your heart, start speaking that over. And then the next guy came through, and the next guy came through, and the next guy came through, and I came through, and I was speaking words over. And so by the time we got done that with that, we were like shouting hallelujah, man. I'll tell you what, God came down, because nothing builds you up more than when God speaks to you life, because he gives us words of life, not words of death, words of life life. And so we just kind of come out of there, you know, stepping a little lighter because God used, you know, 18 different people to speak words of life over you. That's a powerful thing. Pain. Sometimes God speaks to us through pain. He is taking us to the root of something. Pain is a signal there's something deeper going on. Or sometimes he speaks through silence, right? The Bible talks about listening to the still, small voice of God. Well, you can't hear that still, small voice if you've always got noise going on around you. Sometimes you have to sit in silence in order to hear what God wants to say. Number, the next one is dreams. You know, God speaks through dreams, and I'll talk about that here in a minute because we're going to talk about personalities of, of how God speaks. Nature is another big one. Sometimes God speaks to us through nature, sometimes through our physical senses, all right, so those are the 10 ways that I gave you. Again, uh, that's not an exhaustive list, but it's some of the most common ways. So what I want to talk about this morning are how God communicates to us through our unique personality. All right, so when you were born into this world, you have a dominant personality. Now, some of you have taken personality tests in your workplace, like some, you know, you're choleric or you're sanguine, you're melancholy or phlegmatic. Some people use animals to describe those. The, the uh, choleric's a lion. The sanguine's an uh, 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 otter. Uh, they're the party waiting to happen. Melancholy or golden retriever. And phlegmatics are beavers. And so, for example, it's very important. It's not that you, aren't, you don't have a little bit of all, a mixture of all of it, but you usually have a dominant personality. So if you're a lion, for example, you're just like, man, you guys are, are, are just like the leaders and you're going to get things done, and it doesn't matter if you have to hurt people along the way. Collateral damage is nothing to you. You're going to get it done. You're focused. You're just riveted in. And so sometimes people look at you, and they think you're arrogant, and you're stuck up, and you're just like, you know, you don't care about people, so you can be misinterpreted. Sanguines are like otters. You're the party waiting to happen. you just like, everybody's your friend. This is my good buddy. You have Lots of friends, but those friendships aren't very deep, right? So you walk into a room, and man, being around people, even people you don't know, just fires you up. Like, you love being around people. Uh, for those of you who are, are melancholy, like the golden retrievers, fewer friends, much deeper relationships, extremely loyal people. Uh, your beavers are your phlegmatics, more introverts, much more introvert. Uh, you love to be alone, like, people exhaust you, right? So, you know, like, if, if I brought people over to your house, you'd be like, oh, man, I'm exhausted by it. People exhaust me. I just need time to myself. Now, what happens when you put two beavers together in marriage? They can't make a decision. Cannot make a decision. See, if a beaver's going to buy a car, they've got to get out. You know, they can't just go buy a car. For an otter, buying the car, their only criteria is, do I look good in this thing? Do I look good in this car? Right? So, um... You know, the melancholies, they probably pretty much just care less. Is it functional? But the, the beavers, they're going to get out all the reports, you know, see, see you know, the, the reports on the car and how, you know. And they can't make a decision, so you put two of them in marriage, and, man, they, it's hard for them to make a decision. But what happens with a, a beaver comes into a room of people, let's say at a workplace, in the lunchroom? See, they're going to sit off by themselves more than likely at their own table, pull out a book, a magazine. Why? Because th this is my space. Don't anybody come into my space because if you come into my space, you're going to exhaust me. All right? So leave me alone is basically what they're saying. So everybody looks at them and says, oh, they're just, man, they're, they're just into themselves. They're just, just stuck on themselves, and they can be, you see how that works. All right, so when God speaks to us, we also have a kind of a personality by which we receive God's message. And there are four of them. So let me just hit the highlights of them and see where you might tag yourself. Now listen, you are bilingual, okay? It doesn't mean that you don't have a little bit of maybe all of them or, you know, you, maybe in two areas out of the four or three out of the four, but you have a dominant way 
in which God speaks. And the reason why this is so, so helpful is that for many, many years, I just couldn't figure this thing out. You know, people saying, well, you know, I, I heard the Lord saying, I felt like God was saying, and I, I heard all these things, and I'm thinking, I ain't heard nothing. I haven't felt a thing. Uh, what is all this talk about God speaking? And, and I had no one really to explain to me what all of that meant. And so it was over time that I began to learn and to distinguish. So there are four of them, and uh, here they are, and we'll touch one. And there are knowers, and knowers are you just know in your mind, you just know in your mind what is true, all right? There are feelers, you, you tend to feel and experience God's emotions. And you can, by the way, you can listen to how people talk, and you can probably determine which one of these they are. Hearers, uh, they hear God's voice in words, not audibly, but it's kind of like this is the person who really receives the impressions of the Holy Spirit, right? So they, the Holy Spirit impresses them, and then there are seers, and the seers tend to see in pictures, dreams, visions. Um, so, you know, all of these are, are very, very important. So let's talk about the knowers. How Knowers know in their minds what is true. Knowers, in essence, here's the bottom line for knowers, they are intuitive, very, very intuitive people. Um, I don't, sometimes knowers don't feel like they're really spiritual people because they can't say, well, God gave me this picture, or I heard this from God, or God downloaded this impression in me. And so sometimes, those of you who are knowers, I just want to say right out of the gate, sometimes you don't feel like you're very spiritual people because you just know. You just know what God wants. It's not, it's not based on a feeling. It's not based on a vision or a dream. It's not based necessarily on an impression. It's just that you know. And if you ask a knower, how do you know God said that to you? I don't know, I just know. Now that can be very frustrating, can it not? And uh, ladies, uh, you tend to be more intuitive than men anyways, just naturally. And so, uh, so you know, if, if a husband asks his wife and says, well, what do, you think, what do you think God would say about this situation? And she's just gonna say, I think this is what God's saying. But how do you know that? How do you know that's true? I just know. That's a knower, right? They don't have to back it up because they felt something, they saw something, got a picture or a direct impression from the Holy Spirit. It's just like God just gives them a knowing, right? And so I don't know why, but I just know this is what I am supposed to do. And oftentimes you ground your history in knowing God and begin to trust uh, you know, this kind of spiritual gut that you have. I, I just know what God wants to do. And, and oftentimes, God will confirm it to you, right? Sometimes he confirms it to you by God giving somebody a, a word for you, uh, you know, kind of like a, a, a word of knowledge or, a, a, you know, a word of uh, prophecy. Sometimes you just hear a song on the radio that confirms it. Sometimes it's, you know, you're reading the Bible and God just confirms it. And, but you just know this is what God wants you to do. I, just, it's, you, I say it this way. You have kind of a light bulb moment. When it's just like, boom, the light bulb just comes on and you know. You just know God wants you to call that person and, and, and see how they're doing. You just know that God wants you to write that letter and just give somebody an encouragement. You just know that that person in the store, God wants you to say something to them or offer them prayer. Um, we have one of the ladies in our, our class, our CSSM class that my wife and I are part of. And so we have to do activations weeks where what you're learning, you got to go out and you actually put it in practice. So, right? so my wife and, and couple, three other ladies, they went to Lowe's uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, of all places for women to go, to Lowe's to do act. But Stella is, um, she is on uh, the, their team, and she's just one of those knowers. She just knows. It's like she'll just pray and say, Lord, here, here's what she did. She said, she's praying all week long, and she said, Lord, where do you want us to go? Where would you like for our team that we might have opportunity to pray for people? And so um, she just knew, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to go to Lowe's. Then she goes, but then all of a sudden I like started doubting myself. Well, Lord, can you confirm this? Guess what happened? She's driving her car on 33 and a Lowe's truck goes right by her. All right, there's the first fleece. And then she threw out another one. Says, well, Lord, uh, okay, Lowe's, that seems, all right, well, 
Could I get another, could I get another confirmation? And she pulls up behind a car at a stop, pulls up behind a car at a stoplight, and the license plate says Lowe's. Now, if that doesn't confirm to you that God has spoken to you, nothing else will. And so intuition means that I have the ability to understand or know something without having direct evidence or reasoning behind the process. She just knew, and God confirmed her knowing. So those of you who just kind of are knowers, and people want to question your knowing, you just know, but if you ask for confirmation, more than likely, God will give it to you. I just know why I saw, you know, why I, why I should do there. And so God just kind of gives you wisdom in that area of your life. And so in relating to a knower, they rarely use words like God said or I feel, all right? So don't expect them to use those words. They just know. Number two is help them communicate by asking questions. Well, what do you think we should do? Or do you have a certain direction you think we should take? And allow the knowers to say, yes, I just, I just know this is what God is leading. This is where he's leading. This is how he's leading. This is what I sense as his direction. And what they say is what they have. In other words, don't try to get them to move more than just what they know. Don't say to them, well, I, I can't accept this as being from God unless you feel something. you got to feel something. <laughs> or, or God's got to give you some kind of picture. God's got to give you some kind of word or impression before I'm going to go with what you know. That's not the way knowers operate. They just know. And I'm telling you, when they know, they know, and you'd be wise to follow what they say. Number two are feelers. Feelers feel and experience the emotions of God. The feel and experience the emotions of God. So in Acts chapter 2, um, I, I'm doing feelers second because I don't want their feelings to get hurt. So feelers, uh, like if you were to have a symbol for a feeler, it would be a heart, right? So, so they just, you know, they, they just feel God's emotions in an unprecedented way. And so, um, again, emotions are signals uh, to what is going on. For example, that's why the Bible can say, be angry and sin not, right? So your anger is just a signal that something deeper is, is going on. And so the danger is not how we feel, but how we act on those emotions and how we react to those emotions. So in Acts 2.43, we come to this verse, and the Holy Spirit, remember, um, Jesus has told his disciples to get in the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. So you got 120 believe, uh, believers and 12 leaders. They're in this upper room. All of a sudden, the Bible says that fires of tongue, you know, tongues of fire came on their heads, and everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says in verse um, 40. I think I want 43. Yeah, it says, Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs. That is not what I want. So, anyways. <laughs> Maybe I wrote down. Anyways. All right, so they're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 4, and they begin to, to speak in other languages. And, of course, you know, people were misunderstanding about that. And so all of them, this, 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 this power of the Spirit came upon them, and, and they have this, this feeling, there's this emotion, this, this, this like this uh, reverential fear that comes over them because the Spirit of God that has been promised has now, you know, just endowed them and filled them up as His temple, and, and He's just anointed them, and He is preparing them for the ministry that God has for them. And so for feelers, you really look at God in a very personal way. Uh, you, you sense that He's chosen you to have encounters with Him that are very close and very personal, just like this counter in, encounter in Acts chapter 2. And so they will say things like, you know, I just feel like, I just sense, I just feel that God's going to do an amazing thing today. I just feel that God's leading us in this direction. I just feel that God is doing this, and, and I just feel. So Teresa, uh, very much a feeler, she sends me texts all the time to the prayer team. And she'll say, I feel the Holy Spirit is, or I sense the Holy Spirit, I feel. So she uses feeling words a lot. I don't think it's her, necessarily her dominant, but it's one of the ways that God communicates to her. All right? So for those of you who are feelers, man, it's not like, um, 
you can just sense the Lord weeping. You, you just have a strong sense of compassion. And it was often the compassion of Christ that moved him into action, right? Oftentimes, Jesus sees a situation. He is struck with compassion, which is the seat of your emotions. And so when Jesus was struck with compassion, the Father would just kind of download, this is what I want you to do. And so remember, Jesus says, I only say and I only do what the Father tells me to say and do. And so Jesus would spring into action. That's what a feeler does. They're going to spring into action. They're going to bring other people around them. And so oftentimes, if you are a feeler, it's very closely related with the gift of intercession. You get prayer burdens. My mother-in-law was this way. God would just give her a feeling, a prayer. It was like a deep burden for somebody. And so she would immediately just go to her face before the Lord, just be praying for that person and praying for that person. It might be two, three days, or maybe a week later she would see that person. She'd say, hey, uh, you know, God just gave me a burden for you, and uh, here's what the burden was. Here's the day, the date, and, and I begin interceding for you. Can you tell me, does that make sense to you? And autumn, you know, almost always they say, oh, absolutely, this is exactly what was happening to me in that moment in time. I'm so grateful to God that he downloaded in you a prayer burden that you responded to because I so needed God at that moment. Does that, does that catch any of you? Sometimes feelers, they walk into a room and they just feel a presence. Could be good or bad. For example, many years ago when I was, went to the Southern Baptist Convention that was held in Las Vegas and um, I know, why would the convention go to Las Vegas? Because we planted five churches while we were there. And, uh, you know, people are still hungry. People, people need the gospel in Las Vegas, right? So, but it did unnerve my uh, treasurer when I asked him for all of my spending money in rolls of quarters. But other than that, he was good. <laughs> so anyways, so I didn't get this. So we stayed at the Pink Flamingo, and uh, I didn't get this feeling in any other casino that I walked into, but Sugar Ray Leonard was fighting at the Caesars Palace uh, that following night, and I knew his entourage was coming down, and I wanted to get a glimpse of him, right? I just wanted to, you know, just see him, and so I so admired him as a boxer, and I remember, uh, Marlon, we walked into Caesar's Palace, and immediately I got this feeling of pure evil, pure evil, and I said, I, I, as much as I want, I, I can't stay here. I, I, I got to get out of here. Because sometimes that's, God just gives you that feeling, that emotion. Um, and so feelers, you know, they can't explain why they feel the way they do. They just do. And uh, they, you may think that, that's, that you're unstable, that's something wrong with you. No, God's just interrupting you with your emotions to get your attention because he's about to download something inside of you. And so one of the weaknesses of feelers is they undervalue their feelings, dismissing them without sometimes recognizing that God is in it. Because sometimes feelers, like if you have children who are natural born feelers, sometimes they're labeled as, you know, just emotional basket cases, right? Well, they're just like, I don't understand why they feel that way. They're always, you know, it's just like every, every little thing happens, they just start crying. Or they just, they're an emotional wreck. Well, it just might be that God has wired them that way and he's downloading the gift of intercession because God's going to use them in that way. And so you want to value you want to value their feelings rather than writing them off as just being emotional. I have a daughter who's a, more, a little more of a feeler and, um, and so very in tune with her feelings. A melancholy, very in tune with her feelings, very in tune with the feelings of others. And so then her sister, though, is not a feeler um, in any way, shape, or form. She's a pure sanguine through and through and even kind of a choleric sanguine. So, you know, when said daughter, who's the feeler, is being choked by her sister, and she comes crying to me, and it's like, oh, how, how do you deal with the feeling? Oh, honey, don't worry. Marissa didn't realize she was, you couldn't breathe while she was choking you. She loves you. She really does. But this is just the way God wires, and you want to ask them what, what they're feeling because you want them to get that out there because it's just the way they relate God and the way they relate God to, to others. All right, here's the hears. Hears hear God's voice. And again, it's not necessarily in an audible way, although when you get an impression of the Holy Spirit, it's just like you heard audibly. 
I mean, there's many times in which God has just spoken to me in such a way. I mean, it's like somebody, it's like he's, he's just talking in my ear. Guess what his voice sounds like? Me, right? He's, his voice is going to sound like you because why? The Holy Spirit dwells whom? You. So when he speaks to you, he's speaking through your ear gate. He's speaking through your soul, and therefore it's always going to sound like you. So, um, yeah, so here's... Um, 1 Samuel chapter 3 is the verse you want to write down. We don't have time to, to go to that verse. But you'll recall that um, Eli is the priest and young Samuel is in the temple. And he keeps hearing this voice calling out his name. And so Samuel runs to Eli. What do you want? I'm here. Well, Eli's like, I, I, didn't, I didn't call you. I didn't ask you. Go back to bed. <laughs> so on the third time, Eli catches on and says, oh, Obviously, it's God's speaking to you, and so uh, he says these words, you know, just speak out to the Lord, um, you know, I'm listening, your, your servant's listening, now, and speak. And so God, and this was a time in Israel's history where the voice of God, this is what Samuel says, the voice of God was rarely heard because there was so much evil in the priesthood and among God's people. And so, uh, so God spoke. Many of you who are hearers, here's a characteristic. You love to journal. You love to journal. Man, you just sit and you want to hear God, right? And so God, you hear God sometimes through his word. God just downloads, my wife is this. She's journaled for years. She's got stacks and stacks of journals. I don't know. If she goes before I do, I have no idea what I'm going to do with all these journals. She says, burn them. I will burn the first, uh, you know, 20 years because most of them are about me and not in a positive way, okay? So, uh, yeah, so you, you, you just like, like okay, like she, every morning she has her Bible and, she, and God just directs her to a passage to read and she reads and she journals and she just asks God, you know, God, can you give me a word today that I might give that word to somebody else? And, and God gives her words and she may text that to somebody or she, you know, she, whatever, uh, email something or what. And so God just speaks to her through that method and then she relays that on to somebody else. And so it's not just for herself, but it, but it's, you know, it's, it flows through her and, and brings confirmation to what she heard and, and what God spoke. And oftentimes she wonders, you know, did, you know did, I, did I say the right thing in the right way at the right time? And, you know, sometimes she hears back from people, sometimes she doesn't. And then she'll hear back sometimes after, you know, maybe a long extended period of time. They'll say, man, I can't, man, that was just a, a timely word of God that you gave to me. I so needed it for that day. And so those of you who are hearers, man, the voice of God the voice of God changes everything, does it not? When you know that you've heard from God, and so everything begins to shift. And the more you obey, watch this, the more you obey what God is speaking, the more God speaks. Listen, God is not going to get into this uh, relationship where he speaks and he downloads. Sometimes he just speaks for our encouragement and our comfort and our needs, but oftentimes he speaks so that we can be used by God to impact the life of somebody else. But if I refuse to do that, then why would God continue to download those things to me? It's just going to fall on deaf ears, right? So the more you obey God, put away the side. Remember I talked about the telephone. That first voice is the Spirit of God. Second voice is your own, your own voice of doubt. And the third voice is always the voice of Satan who's bringing condemnation upon you. So don't even answer the third voice. Disregard the second voice and go with the first one because it's God giving you impressions so that you will live out in obedience so as he begins to strengthen your walk and your love uh, for him and as he works through him. So some, one of the strengths is working independently and keeping to the word that you hear. And that, that is just essential because sometimes... For example, when God called me into ministry, I know that I heard God, man. I just know I heard God. And sometimes when you, in, in life, in ministry, sometimes things are going so bad 
and, and just aren't working out the way that you thought they would. And the only thing you have to go on is that word that God gave you at that moment in time. There are many times I wanted to walk out of the ministry, leave church, but God said, always brings me back to that distinct divine calling in my life. And sometimes that's the only thing that keeps me going. And so you need that. Weakness is this, independent and lack of team thinking. <laughs> yeah, those who are here is like, hey, 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 I've heard from God. <laughs> don't, muffle the, don't muddy the waters, okay? <laughs> don't tell me how you're feeling. <laughs> and don't tell me about your intuition. I got the word. And so sometimes you can get a little arrogant and, and not allow other input into your life where God may confirm or confront uh, that word that you think you have. So relating to a here, you want to help them pinpoint the one thing that God is highlighting. All right? Because sometimes uh, they get off into many different directions. Here's the last one, the seer. Uh, and so this is the person who sees in pictures, sometimes visions, sometimes dreams. Um, you're the dreamers. Love the dreamers, right? And so they just see the big picture, right? So... Here's, here's the thing about dreamers or, or um, those who, who are the seers is that when they see something, and, and if it's coming from God, it's big. It's big. I mean, God gives them, downloads a dream or a vision. It is not something that you could ever accomplish in your own human strength. It is of God. And if it's of God, it's going to require risk. It's going to require walking in faith. It's going to require trusting him in audacious ways because there's this huge vision that God has given to you. Now, one of the weaknesses and downsides of this is that dreamers, they're all about the dream, right? They don't really function that well outside that scope. And so, for example, that's, this is, I'm a seer, very much a seer. I see in pictures. God, you know, we have people in this church who see in pictures, very much seers. And so, you know, as dreamers, like, we want to talk about our dream, right? And so, you know, my wife is not a dreamer. That's her, not her, her, her dominant. So I would come to her with another dream, and she'd be like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. How much is this going to cost? Because sometimes dreamers get so like ramped up and fired up, they, 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 don't, they don't slow down enough to, to figure out, okay, let's also, we got the big picture, but what's the timing aspect? What's the timing by which this needs to unfold? Because we just want what? We just want to go, but see, dreamers are the ones who open up orphanages, and dreamers are the ones who build hospitals, and dreamers are the ones who do these big, big projects, but sometimes they, they get ahead of themselves and they get ahead of God and they need somebody to come alongside and say, whoa, 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 back her up there, buddy. Uh, we got we, we to wait on some timing issues. But here's what dreamers do. Dreamers, they have a dream board, right? So I have a dream board. Here it is. Every day, every day I go over this dream board. Every day I add to, if God wants to down, you know, fill in some details, this dream board. And so every day, this is, this, this is how God charters my steps. This is how my favorite passage, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, comes into play. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. As I've shared with you, God has downloaded a dream, a vision for me, a picture of a healing center here in our church. That is, It's just been amazing how God has spoken words of prophecy over me through other people concerning that, how God has brought people along who have prophesied about what they, what God shared with them about this dream or this vision who are not even attached to our church, but they, you know, they're, they're just filling in the picture of what God's going to do. And I'm telling you, it's going to be an amazing thing, not because God, because Greg thought it up, because God gave it to me. And therefore, if God gave it to me, and if it's of the Lord, he will see to it that it comes to fruition. And so you can bring incredible encouragement in people's lives by being a seer. I'll give you an example, and we'll wrap this up. Um, two weeks ago, uh, in, in our class that we have on Thursday nights, the presenter was Josh Lawrence, and Josh is a pastor. And uh, 
One of the things that we do in our class is we have activation time. It says, okay, we've talked about the, the gift of prophesying over people, so do it. Here's what, here were the instructions. Ask God to give you a word for somebody in the room, and there's about 40 of us in the room. Ask for God to give you a word for somebody in the room, write it down, and go and share it with them. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm asking God, you know, Lord, would, you know, give me a word. From, asking the Holy Spirit, give me a word. And so, again, I think in pictures. And I, I locked eyes with a guy across the room and thought, okay, this is the guy I believe God's moving me towards. So I, sat, I just looked down, and I wrote this. I, I drew this picture of a bridge and all these people on the bridge. And, and I had, you know, a person on this side and this side, and this side was Jesus. This person is just going to lead a, they're going to be used by God to lead a lot of people to the Lord. And I wrote under there about the fact that God has greatly gifted you, and, and I just believe that the Lord's going to use you in great ways to see a lot of people come to faith in Christ. But God says, do not get discouraged. Do not give up. Stay the course. And so after I wrote that down, I looked up. Somebody was already at that guy. I'm like, okay, who, who am I supposed to give this to? So I look around, it's like everybody's got somebody. And then I locked eyes with Josh, who was standing there behind the podium, just kind of, you know, just looking down, waiting. And I walked up to him and I put my arm around him. I said, I believe that God has a word for you. And I shared the picture and I wrote, read the thing to him. And all of a sudden, the countenance on his face just dramatically changed. And I did not know this about him, but he said, God has birthed into me a passion for the nations. I have a desire to do crusades. I've done some in the past. They're small. My wife and I have funded these. But God has challenged me to do three this year, 2019, crusades, much bigger. I've already scheduled them, the place, the dates, everything. They're costing $20,000 per, um, per event. And I don't know where the money's coming from. And so when he read this, God says, hey, don't give up. Stay the course. He said, it was like, this is a message for me, right? So he took that as God spoke directly to him. Hey, do not give up. I'm going to, you're going to see thousands saved as a result of a heart I gave to you for the nations. And God's going to bring these crusades about, do not give up. Stay the course. I will be faithful. What a word, right? And so what did that do in that young man's life? Man, he is, he's like fired up. He is ready to go. And so then this past Thursday, all of a sudden, somebody, you know, somebody else in the class, he, we're talking about words of knowledge, things you don't know about people. So he called five people up there and said, hey, ask God to give you a word of knowledge for somebody. One of the young ladies went up and started talking about, hey, I see somebody. I don't know who you are, but I just see you kneeling in the desert, in the sand. It's like a deserted place. But God's giving you a heart for missions. And she went on to describe this. And all of a sudden, this guy's sitting at a table whom Marl and I have seen. We don't know personally. He and his wife, he's very quiet, doesn't hardly say a word. And all of a sudden, he raised his hand. He says, God's gave me the, God has given me a desire and a passion for the nations and for missions. And uh, he says, I've squelched that for many, many years in my life. And I've been in this desert place. Um, I've resurrendered my life to the Lord. And God's bringing me out of the desert. And, and so he goes on. And so all of a sudden now Josh says, get up here. And then he speaks a word of prophecy over him. And so now God has linked those two together. Both of them have the same calling on their life. Who knows how God's going to expand this? You kind of get the message? When God gives you a word, it's not like, oh, should I give that word? Or what if it's, what if it's stupid? And what if, what if, what if, stop the what if, listen to the, for the impression that God gives you and do it and see what God does. I'm just telling you, it's amazing how God will use you to breathe life into people around you because you were faithful to listen and you were faithful to respond. Amen? Have I scared you yet? All right. Good deal. So, um, yeah, let's, so how do you grow in this, this gift? You, you know, you, you want to write out the vision and, and there are steps you want to take, but we're going to be, okay, so we're going to take all four of these personalities. You don't want to miss next Sunday. We're going to take all four of these personalities and I'm going to take you step by step how, how all of this unfolds in your life. There's a 
perfect picture in the Word of God, how God integrates all of this in your day-to-day life and how you can get these impressions, these words from the Lord for yourself, for others, and how you can know it's of the Lord. And, um, yeah, it's, just, it's going to be an exciting, exciting um, time next Sunday. So let's bow our heads together. And, man, if you're here this morning... And I'm talking about listening to God. And some of you may hear and say, you know what? I've never heard God say anything to me. I've never heard a voice. Uh, I've never heard. Okay, well, let me just ask you a question. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, isn't it true that at some point in your life that God's Holy Spirit drew you into that relationship? Because that's what the Word teaches. Unless the Spirit draws you, you will never come to Christ. How did He draw you? Was it, a, was it a feeling? Was it a, a, a word picture? Was it just an impression that the Spirit was just drawing? Or you just knew? Probably God drew you through your unique personality. Some of you, man, when you came to Jesus, man, you come up there and you were crying and the, the, the emotions just were flooding everywhere. But if you're not a feeler, like I, I'm not a feeler, I didn't have any of that. And for the longest time, I never understood that. I didn't think I was really saved because I didn't have that emotional outburst. But what God did give to me was a picture. Because that's the way God speaks most of the time to me. A picture, an impression. He did both. And as I shared with you before, that impression was so uh, deep. It was like my heart was going to burst out of my chest. And I just knew it was God. So I'm just asking you the question, are you sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you ever taken that step of faith of receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior of your life? If you have, it's because God has spoken to you. We just want to build on that. We want to expand that. If you haven't, I'm encouraging you today, man, come to Jesus. He's the only one who can forgive you of your sins and heal you of the brokenness that is inside of you. And I want you to meet my Savior because life will never be the same. His name's Jesus. So, Father, we thank you that for some people, man, they just, there's a fear, just afraid to come to Jesus because, you know, they're just going to be bored and they give their life to Christ. You can't have any fun, and you're just going to squelch everything. God, may you just take that lie of the enemy right out of their heart right now. Or there's just, there's a fear of losing long-time commitments. Like, oh, I, I you know, now my life's going to be different, and, and I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to do this, and I don't want to have to give this up, and I don't have, God, would you just take that lie out? Father, may you just allow them to discover your love for them. May they just sense it, feel it, embrace it, impression-wise, intuitively, through a picture, a word. God, however you choose to speak, may they know. May they know beyond the shadow of a doubt they're a follower of Jesus Christ, secure in him for all of eternity. And those who don't know and are not sure, may today be the day of salvation for them. And God, may you continue to teach us how to have relationship, how to speak, how to listen, how to move with you, how to move with the Holy Spirit. Because that's what you designed us to be and to do. And we thank you for that, Father that we're not in this alone. But you've promised us always, do not fear, for I am with you. And with us, you are. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.